It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, September 14th, just a little bit less than 24 hours after the LA Galaxy had started their match with the San Jose Earthquakes. That ended in a 0-0 draw. We'll talk about that game. Disappointing for some, maybe not. Uh, It certainly ended the LA Galaxy's winning streak, but it extended their unbeaten streak, and it extended it one game further than I could remember because I forgot they actually played one of those games. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to get you some uh, Yona Gonzalez updates. As always, we'll try to uh, fill in the blanks on all the things that are happening there. And then the LA Galaxy schedule came out, or at least the next three games came out for the LA Galaxy. Uh, that happened on Friday and we recorded last on Thursday. So we're going to talk about those games. Maybe give you a little hint as to why uh, we still don't know the rest of those games. To help me do all that, it's the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. How's it going, Kev? I don't know how you could forget a game. They haven't played that many. But before you answer that, um, because I've heard that you talk too much, so I need to get all my thoughts in at the start. Did you know there's a female Tour de France? I, I did not know that. Uh, I don't think I knew that. It makes sense that there would be. I didn't know that there there was one, but I don't want to talk too much. Go ahead, your turn. It's Yeah, it's called La Course, and it's been around since 2014, and the Dutch dominate the female Tour de France. Interesting. So there you go. Interesting. All right. Well, good. I'm glad. Is that is that it? Are you done talking? Because I'd like to talk for the rest of the show now. I just, I <laughs> yeah, just you know. It is your show. I was. Just, <laughs> what do I know? I've just, you know, 800 shows or so. You just, you know, you fall into a pattern. You, uh, yeah, you'll catch on eventually. I was going to say, I, the, the real reason I talk is that way, hopefully you won't say something stupid. And so, like, I just keep oh, talking oh, and then. No, no chance. No <laughs> chance. <laughs> oh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. I don't know about you, but I got to bed really early this morning uh, and I didn't even have to go cover a game. I I was just doing it from the comfort of my own home, but uh, it took forever for whatever reason. Yeah, last night was a late night, starting at 8 o'clock. I mean, uh, no one on the East Coast is watching that, obviously. It starts at 11 o'clock in the East Coast. Would you stay up to watch the Galaxy San Jose? I mean, maybe if you're a huge Galaxy fan, but if you're just a soccer fan in New York, um, you're in bed long before the second half starts. Yeah, it's, again, one of those nationally televised, uh, you know, Unamas games. It was on Spanish language. Uh, Twitter was where you could find the the English broadcast of that. So I know people were searching around, trying to find it and doing all sorts of things. But yeah, it was late. Um, and that meant the LA Galaxy actually uh, had to scramble a little bit. And I'll give you some details in terms of getting out of the, uh, the venue and to the airport. Lucky for them, it's about 500-yard walk to the airport fence but uh, it's a little bit further you have to go to the other, is other curf- side is that a curfew airport yeah it is a curfew airport okay. so i'll tell you all about that because there was a little bit of scramble so i have some some information on that but i don't want to talk too much um what we want to get to is the la galaxy we'll talk a little bit about this uh this draw with the san jose earthquakes this was an earthquakes team that was coming off of a 7-1 loss to the uh seattle sounders on thursday night and they traveled back home that night uh I imagine arrived uh, early in the morning and then got prepared for a Sunday game with the LA Galaxy. But this wasn't just a normal Sunday game uh, there, Kevin, with all the forest fires going on in Northern California, Southern California, up in Oregon. Uh, I think even some into Washington, the, the smoke and the air quality were, were a question all the way leading up to it. And I'll tell you that uh, while it looked like there was supposed to be some clearing before this, and actually the game might have actually it w- might have been played in the green sort of standings in the AQI index, uh, it ended up being played in, in not the green and not the yellow and not the orange, but in the red, the unhealthy 
um, segment for the entire uh, entire part of that. How high was it? Um, I think from my app at kickoff, I think it was around 150. Um, The the reason I bring that up, the number is important. And I was actually talking to an MLS official yesterday um, because LAFC had the same problem playing in LA. They were monitoring it. And what what I was told, it's kind of what I suspected. And MLS will not admit this on the record. But I I do believe that MLS might, uh, you know, especially when they're taking the cost to to charter people in and, and they're trying to finish this season. They've already got postponements. They need to make up all this kind of stuff. My point is, the NFL will not play if the uh, air quality index is over 200. Right. Um, they will bang the game. They will bang training, whatever it is. They will not play. Um, MLS probably is going to skirt that a little bit and maybe try to push the envelope just a little bit um, because of the expenses involved and other things. But this MLS official told me the fact that the earthquakes and galaxy were playing about eight to 10 miles away from where the 49ers were playing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that LAFC game last night was about 10 miles from where the Rams were playing, that it would have put MLS in a really bad situation if the NFL had decided not to play and the MLS wanted to go ahead. Right. It would have looked terrible. So yeah. um, both, both NFL games went forward and, and I think the MLS at that point turned off their, uh, air quality meter and decided they'd go ahead and play too. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's you, you can point the finger at MLS. Uh, I don't know if you saw pictures from today's day game uh, that the the Oakland A's were playing, uh, but one of the outfielders was wearing an N95 mask and there was, you know, like smoke. You could see it inside the stadium. It was it was atrocious. I mean, really, I, I hate to be like fake, uh, you know, upset about this, but I'm not fake upset. It looked horrible. You look at the LA Galaxy game last night, and yeah, there was probably if you ch- if you sort of saw the lights and certain at a certain angle, you could sort of see a haze. Um, but what the 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 A's were playing, and I think they might have been playing the Mariners. What those two teams were playing in um, in that stadium today was just horrible. Um, it looked just nasty. So. Um, Listen, I I think that if you talk to the players, they're going to tell you it wasn't a thing. And I did talk to the players and sort of asked if it was a thing. And they're going to say no. I'll tell you privately that nobody was real happy with playing um, in those conditions. So that was the first thing that sort of, I'll call them, there were three distractions on the night for the LA Galaxy. And again, they'll deny any of these are distractions and they're not going to let any of them be an excuse. In fact, there's a bunch of guys on the record saying none of these things are excuses. And Guillermo said none of these things are excuses, that type of thing. So that's fine. I'm just telling you what, what actually was was there um so so you had that that was the air quality which was a question uh then you had the same day travel which we've talked about and and a trip up to san jose is less of a trip than a trip up to portland for sure uh it's still getting on a plane traveling up there playing the day of uh and guillermo at least acknowledged that a little bit um i I think overall the galaxy even though they had a week off kevin are are tired from playing all the close games that uh they had before this um, so there's a little bit of factor that. And then the third factor, uh, which anybody watching this game could see, was the field. Um, and I think we've had this problem with this particular field before, which is this field loves to tear up in giant big strips uh, and players lose footing very, very easily. So I think those were the three things that sort of stood out to me in terms of the environment that the Galaxy were playing in and sort of the, uh, some of the challenges uh, before they even got to kickoff, really. You know, you get on the field and you sort of play that. Uh, those those were the the things that I saw, uh, at least for, for a little bit. You, you Did you... Uh, you get any sense of that, Kevin, from from watching some of the highlights and, and some of the things that were on there? Yeah, I mean, I think the field looked atrocious, and I'm really not sure what the reason for that is. I mean, it hasn't been used for four or five months. Um, you know, they should have been able to get the field together. Um, so it, that's that's kind of, uh, you know, inexcusable. Um, and and it, 
the thing about the game, though, the result, okay, so it's a scoreless draw. It's a little bit worse than maybe it looks for the Galaxy because San Jose has given up 26 goals this season. And I know that they played a, a second team uh, in that uh, route in Real Salt Lake. Uh, Seattle. Um, Seattle, excuse me. But still, they, they've given up 26 goals. Um, LAFC is the only team that's really close with 25. So for the Galaxy to come out of there without a goal um, – was a little bit surprising. Also, Christian Pavone had had a streak of seven games with at least a goal or an assist, seven straight games, uh, and could not get on the score sheet. He had uh, four shots, only one of them on goal. Chicharito came in and played, came in at the 57th minute um, and, and, and didn't get any shots. So uh, the Galaxy need to find a way to sort of get him into the mix as quickly as possible. He, uh, The Galaxy only had put two shots on goal. So it, the offense just seemed to be off all night. That's the bad thing. The good thing is the defense continues to play really well. I mean, this is a, a David Bing was what, his third shutout in five games. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think you're correct. Yes. Um, and, and we know David Bingham is, is, a, is a decent goalkeeper, but he maybe relies more than most on his defense. When the back line plays well, David Bingham has a good night, and the back line played very well, so David Bingham had a good night. Um, the thing we, you and I were talking about before we came on, though, is when they started this six-game reboot, um, which they've only played five, they still have to make up the game with Seattle that was postponed. But when they started this little reboot, we talked about how it didn't look like there were a lot of points there. Um, if three weeks ago we said they were going to go up to San Jose and get a point, even if it was a scoreless draw, I think everybody would have embraced that and said, yeah, that, that's good. We, we could use that point. That'll be helpful. The fact that now we look at it and say, you know, it's a little bit disappointing. I think that shows just how far the Galaxy have come. In the yeah. last three weeks. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some advancement there. I'll tell you this, because I heard the, the announcers sort of, you know, going on and on about this point, which is, well, you know, there should be goals in this game, and the LA Galaxy should win this game, and anything less than an LA Galaxy win is a disappointment. And I'm like, that's, that's totally not true in any, in any shape or form for the LA Galaxy. Again, we're still trying to figure out what this LA Galaxy team is, Kevin. And I think that because they've strung together some good games, we, we think we've figured them out. Um, I would I would say that that's a, a bunch of malarkey right now. Um, I don't think we have the LA Galaxy figured out at all. I don't think the LA Galaxy have themselves figured out. Um, you know, right now, what they've been living off of is some great play from, from a couple players really uh christian pavone has been absolutely dominant and should be mentioned in any mvp race and just because he had an off night um although i i actually got some christian pavone hate which i i i literally i think i slammed my head against the desk while i was typing i saw a tweet pop up and they're like you know what boca fans warned us about him all right and i'm like you can't you can't you can't say that about a guy who has 21 goals plus assists in 21 games um, you can't, you're, you're right, Kevin. You just highlighted the fact that Christian Pavone ended a streak of his basically when the last seven games he had either a goal and assist. To, I think that was the stat you gave. Um, you, you, you can't sit there and say that Christian Pavone has been anything but outstanding. And you can't say, because we've talked about this whole bunch on our Thursday night show that had Larry on it and had Sophie on it. And Eric actually dropped in as well. Um, but we talked about this as well is that if, if Boca really wants $12 million for Pavone, you better pay him now. Um, and you better not wait because now is the, is the time to make that deal happen. All of those things remain true. What happened to Christian Pavone on this particular night was that he created a couple, he actually created three or four chances uh, for himself and maybe even one more, maybe a fifth chance in there as well. 
but he couldn't finish Kevin. And, and that happens sometimes, uh, you know, the three shots that he had that were in dangerous areas, all three of them, he missed the target. And that's unlike Christian Pavone. Uh, he usually puts something and at least either, either forces a save or, or, or does something that way. I thought he was still dynamic in most of the time. And he was dynamic in the fact that San Jose was putting one and two players on him. And I think they had Lima uh, basically following him around everywhere he went. So the man marking from Almeida, they weren't going to let Christian Pavone beat him. And having said that Pavone still had three really good looks um, to beat San Jose in this. So, that was that was one of the first things you saw here. Um, the other thing is that Efrain Alvarez had a couple chances to to, to put this in, um, and so I think we've we've seen a little bit from Efrain Alvarez. We've seen a little bit from Pavone. Uh, we've seen a, a lot from Julian Araujo. We've seen a lot from Sebastian Legette. I mean, Sebastian you, had the other good shot. I think it was Efrain and Sebastian really had the two best looks. Yeah, yeah. Legette had a header that was sort of a, a, a short corner, I think, from Alvarez, and then uh, yeah, near post header. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Dos Santos came run into the box and it was a little chip pass to legit and legit had a header and it was saved i mean good job by vega and and he was where he was supposed to be and it was a good look um a high percentage place and a high percentage shot everything about that was good the the first half i think 42nd minute was efrain alvarez's shot that pinged off the woodwork that technically counts as a shot not on goal um because if it's on goal it should go in and this one squarely hit the post so, th- so wait wait a minute yeah so if the shot hits the goal uh-huh. technically it's on goal no, yeah i mean it's not on goal you would think that remember there was the old stats didn't they have a woodwork section where like you would look at it it would say ww and everybody's like well, what's ww and we're like oh woodwork and it means that it hit not, the post now i think it's plastic work plastic work no it's not it's not plastic it's still it's got some sort of metal alloy in there right you can hear it ping Alu- aluminum work oh, okay there that's what it is um but no you you saw Efrain alvarez hit one off the post there um and by the way the best offensive move I, the second best really the second best offensive move but the best team move the la galaxy had uh was sort of on a free kick because steras was forward i think legit was up forward uh, i think Insua was up on that play as well so it was a little bit of a recycle on a ball um and you had those players combined for some quick passing eventually got it to corona i think and corona found Efrain alvarez they did everything they should have uh they allowed san jose to sort of collapse on the near side and they found Efrain uh, into space near that back post and he shot it and it went off the post. It was a great shot. Uh, he teed it up. It was a left-footed shot. It was everything that he wanted and he missed it by six inches. Um, so I, I don't think you can, you know, There's I have some criticism for Alvarez and I think I have some criticism for GBS in this as well, although I think all, all in all he's done just fine in these, these games. Um, but, you know, Alvarez had a shot there. Alvarez also had a shot in the box whenever there was some combo with Pavone that Pavone probably should have shot. Um, um, the Galaxy, as much as we have talked about their passing, Kevin, seemed like they wanted to make the extra, extra pass. We always talk about making the extra pass, and they say that a lot in basketball, right? Make the extra pass. Um, there's a point where where you make too many passes. And for whatever reason, on this night, the LA Galaxy seemed to be in that mindset, which was make the extra, extra pass. Um, and I think they passed up on some shots that they they should have probably uh, made in there. And then if you had everything else that went wrong, just in, in terms of how I've talked there, um, you also had a problem with uh, with the footing. And I saw Chicharito slip. I saw Alvarez slip. I saw Pavone slip. Um, you name it. And almost every player on that field slipped on that field at one point or another and probably ruined uh, you know many chances. So the Galaxy had some good chances in this. They developed some offense, but again, I don't think you can point to anybody on the field, and I'm reticent to do so. I don't think you can point to anybody on the field and said, oh, they had a good game, because I don't think there were a bunch of good games in this on this field. 
Well, you know, but but the other thing is, is when you're trying to look at the bright side and find the silver lining, um, the Galaxy now are healthier than they have been from, since the first half of the second game back in March. Um, Chicharito is back, missed, uh, you know, the last two months. Uh, Jonathan is building himself up. He's starting to play you know, a deeper into the game, coming off the bench a little bit earlier. I think he's probably ready to start or very close. Chicharito maybe another game away. But, uh, again, this is the healthiest they've been since then. I don't think they're going to get Danny Acosta back for a while. I think he's still training off to the side. Um, you know, if they get him back, it'll be a bonus. I don't think they're counting on that. But the reason I bring that up is because the Galaxy, starting on Saturday with the game with Colorado, they're entering a, a stretch where they were – Finish the season playing 13 games in 51 days. You can do the math. That's a lot of games. They're going to need everybody. There's going to have to be squad rotation. Um, I, I think the Galaxy look really good. I mean, Ethan Zubek has proven that he is a, a decent player, a guy that can can make the difference for them. Now, uh, you know, if Chicharito had played every game, we wouldn't know that. We we, we have the fact that Efrain can come in now, um, and, you, and we can still keep uh, – uh, uh, Julian Araujo on the field, move him back to right back, uh, give Rolf, you know, a little bit of a breather. Uh, I think there's a lot more depth uh, to this team than there was before. It seems like the one guy that maybe you can't get off the field is Pavone, and he may have to play the majority of those 13 games. So the depth now and some of the things the Galaxy have found out in this little stretch and the confidence they built, I think it's going to be really helpful. And, and a piece of housekeeping that we need to take up, uh, we've been talking about uh, all along how uh, – only four teams in each conference will miss the playoffs. Um, and, you know, in other words, the top, uh, top nine teams in each conference will make the playoffs. That's not correct. And, and MLS um, uh, announced that the, the new playoff format last week. I think we knew about it, but officially MLS announced it last week. Nashville is going to stay in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so it's an unbalanced, just like everything this season. The conferences are now unbalanced. The Eastern Conference has 14 teams with Nashville. The Western Conference has 12 so there's actually going to be an uneven number of, te- of teams coming out of each conference. Um, there will still be four teams that don't make it. So the Eastern Conference will send 10 teams to the playoffs. The Western Conference will only send eight. Right. Um, right now, the Galaxy are safely in the middle of that. And if the teams finish with an uneven number of games, for example, the Galaxy have only played 10. Um, there's, uh, one, two, th- there's two other teams in the Western Conference that have played 10. Dallas has only played nine. If Two teams uh, need to be divided to find out which one goes to playoffs and which one doesn't, and they played an unequal number of games. I believe the deciding factor is going to be points per game. Yeah, which, by the way, the LA Galaxy would would currently jump up a spot if they were going by points per game, the Galaxy at one and a half, um, and would jump over LAFC, who I think is at 1.33, and all the difference of of the one game that hasn't been made up yet, the, the game for the LA Galaxy in Seattle. Are you saying, though, that there could be a chance that at the end of the season that that teams might not have the same number of games? Yeah, I, well, right now they don't, and, and the Galaxy need to make up a game in Seattle. Seattle is coming down here for the next this next three-game stretch, and we'll talk in a minute why it's only a three-game stretch. I don't know why they just don't have that be the makeup game and schedule the other thing in later when they have more time, but um, teams need to schedule in games. like uh, We mentioned Dallas has only played nine games because they didn't play the three games in Orlando. They had one game uh postponed because of the Black Lives Matter protest. They're going to make that up one of those games up on Wednesday. I think the Black Lives Matter uh, game is going to be made up this week. Um, But yeah, teams right now have uh, games they need to make up. And if any team is unable to play because of COVID or some other reason, um, you know, a 
if, if Portland can't play a game because there, there's 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 too much uh, smoke from the fires, whatever it is, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just not much time to make it up. Like I said, the Galaxy, 13 games in 51 days. Imagine if they had to put another game in there because of a COVID situation or something. So uh, I would not be. I, I I don't anticipate this would happen, but at the same time, I would not be surprised if uh, they have to go to the point per, per game to determine the finish uh, in the conference standings. Yeah, I do think there'll be some teams uh, ending up not playing the full 23-game schedule, which, again, is the shortest schedule in Major League Soccer history. Yeah, it's uh, obviously abbreviated for for all COVID-related things. Um, you know, the fires, are, are, I think, are putting a strain on that as well uh, and just in terms of, of completing it. We talked about the Western Conference being one of the most difficult places to play, um, especially in the in the Western Coast Conference, I guess, is, is almost how it's set up. Um, and San Jose was one of those teams, and uh, and and they've sort of fallen by the wayside. But but again, you know, I think that a, a point on the road against a rival who was coming off of a large defeat, Kevin, is perfectly acceptable and great. I, I think that you know um, that the sign of a good team is whenever they don't have it, and the Galaxy clearly didn't have it. Um, I, again, I I would implore anybody to say that anybody on that field had a great game. I thought Insua played pretty good, maybe, um, close to that. I thought Araujo misfired on a, on a bunch of stuff. He was still very active and involved in a whole bunch of things. Um, you know, Alvarez was good on the offensive side and then a complete liability on the defensive side, sort of as you'd expect him to be. And that really did change the dynamics there. So we're going to talk about Yoni Gonzalez and, and when he's supposed to uh, eventually, I don't know, maybe could be uh, arriving for the LA Galaxy here. We have a little update on that. Um, but when you look at this, I mean, it's clear that Yoni Gonzalez comes in and starts in that right mid role. And if that's the case, then Araujo plays, you know, as the starter at right back. So, you know, the two guys who are sort of impacted by this are going to be Efrain Alvarez, who's been getting good minutes and doing stuff with it. So I expect he'll get more minutes as they work Yoni Gonzalez into the starting lineup and possibly even, uh, come in in relief of him or have Yoni come off the bench. I mean, there's going to be a lot of rotation. Uh, there was a season ticket holder town hall tonight on uh, on YouTube and so they had some different guests on there. Dennis DeClosa was on there. Guillermo Barish-Colota was on there. Uh, let's see. Sebastian Legette and Dan Steris, I believe, were all the guests on there, uh, Brendan Hannon was the was the host on that, and I thought it all went went around uh, and and went off pretty good. It was it was interesting to sort of watch and peek in on that. But um, you know, Guillermo talked about this specifically, Kevin. And it was that there are so many games coming up, and and you know, you sort of hinted and touched on that a little bit in this. Um, but there are so many games coming up that the entire roster is going to be needed. And and Guillermo says, with so many games, we're going to have to be able to count on everybody on the roster. Um, and so Alvarez is going to play an important role in this year. Um, Araujo, Kitchen, uh, Yona Gonzalez, whenever he gets there, you know, uh, Zubak is going to have to come in. And and I'll say the guy who's sort of fallen from grace further than anybody probably is Ethan Zubak, but only because I think he started on such a high with scoring against LAFC whenever they came back, um, doing some of those things. He's just shown to be kind of what we knew he was, which was a guy who could probably come off the bench and give you some minutes and give you a little different look. But if Chicharito's healthy, obviously... I can't believe we had to uh, have had to argue this point. Uh, Chicharito obviously starts over Zubak as soon as Chicharito can start. It's not even a, a but, question. But again, the, the confidence and the experience that Zubak got. I mean, imagine if Chicharito had played all season, we'd be in the situation where, you know, you're saying, hey, we're going to need the whole team. Zubak's going to have to play a lot of minutes. I think it'd be a whole different situation if he hadn't got the experience he did in the last month. Yeah, oh, absolutely. No, I mean, the LA Galaxy, and you hit it on the head already, Kevin. I mean, I'll go back to what you said. 
the depth on this team has gotten deeper. You have expanded the depth on this team by having to play who you had to play. Um, you know, uh, figuring out, by the way, you have people Gonzalez on the bench. So if a defender has an issue, there's ways to, to sort of work around that as well. So there, there are people on the bench and there are players on the bench who were starting and now are not. Um, and some of that is a good thing. Um, Nick Depew is the starter at center back right now, along with Daniel Starez, and nothing in this game changes that at all. And Sewell was fine. Araujo was fine. Um, I still think the LA Galaxy are better whenever Araujo plays right mid and, uh, and, and Rolf Felcher right now plays it right back. Um, and so in my mind, that's a better setup. Uh, you could see it in Alvarez with, with Efrain up in front. Araujo couldn't get forward as much, so he's not involved in the offense as much because Alvarez isn't going to track back and cover for him. And we've sort of covered this point before, but that's why Yoni Gonzalez coming in and playing that right mid role and going forward and back, something that everybody has highlighted in his play um, is really important because it allows Araujo to be able to go forward and get into the attack. And we've seen some success with that whenever he does it. So a bunch of things to sort of, you know, look at from this, but the point is a good point. The galaxy didn't have it, Kevin. You could tell they didn't have it. I know some people called it a boring game, it was boring. It was choppy. It was sloppy. It was ugly. I don't know how else to sort of to, to, to say that. But at the same time, it was a soccer game. The LA Galaxy came within about a foot, foot and a half of losing this game whenever San Jose scored in the 89th minute. Um, and it would have suited San Jose. It would have it would have fallen right into San Jose's game plan if that had happened, Kevin. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see San Jose win that game. And somebody said, well, you know, San Jose is one of the worst teams in the league. And even you hinted at it. They've given up 26 goals. You can say whatever you want. On the night, those two teams were equally as just they lack direction. Um, I don't think San Jose was trying to win the game. Uh, and I don't think the galaxy were, were necessarily on their front foot for most of the night. And you combine those things and you got a boring zero, zero draw. But I think we're all in agreement that if this game is played at the beginning of the season, Kevin put this game into the, one of the first two games of the season, uh, the LA galaxy lose this game. They don't, they don't come out with a, with a point. Well, you mentioned how boring a game it was. I mean, I'm just thinking someone in New York City stayed up until 1 o'clock in the morning to watch that. Man, I would be really pissed. But I'm sitting here on the edge of my seat literally waiting for you to tell me about what happened at the airport. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it, it's not, it's not shocking. Um, everybody knows that the Earthquake Stadium, which used to be a Via Stadium, but they lost the sponsorship on that or the sponsorship withdrew um, or expired. I think it actually withdrew. Um, they probably were embarrassed by the grass and they just took the name off. <laughs> I'm sure they, by the way, let me point it to the grass and then I'll tell you about the airport. But I, I will tell you this that several of the players sort of said the grass was not an issue. Uh, David Bingham said, listen, I played here a lot and I can tell you the grass is always this way. Uh, I, I think Dan Starrs said that uh, the grass plays really well in terms of the ball rolls really nicely on it. So it's not like the grass is bumpy and it's horrible and, and that type of thing. The problem is that whenever you go to plant or set yourself, uh, the grass doesn't hold up. It doesn't, it doesn't allow you to plant. And so you saw Galaxy players sliding all over the dang place um, and it ruined a bunch of attacks. Nobody will admit it, um, but that's how it is. Now, if you ask the players behind, and not whenever they're in front of a camera and, and talking to the press and, and that type of thing, uh, yeah, they'll tell you the, the field was was junk. Um, trying to play on it certainly hurt them. And you can say that, oh, well, it's the same for both teams, except that Bingham already told you it's that way all the time. So the San Jose Earthquakes are used to playing on it and understanding that. So it's a, it's an advantage for them. Um, Galaxy did fine, and, and, and that's fine, and, the, and they did that. Now let's go to the, to the airport. The, 
the post game was abbreviated. It was very quick. Um, they got the players and coaches in as quickly as they possibly could. And we were sort of rolling through things pretty fast. And I was, I think, one of the one English language uh, reporters that was was uh, on duty for, for this particular game. So I was asking most of the questions. And we were just rolling through people pretty quickly. Uh, I was told... Uh, I sort of asked if Chicharito was going to speak because I know there was a lot of Spanish language people on. Um, and I got told that, you know, they had to run to the airport. And I was like, oh, okay. I go, what's wrong? And there's, and he goes, well, there's a curfew. So so San Jose has a, an 1130 p.m. curfew from. No from way. Water. Yeah. So they had to get out of there by 1130. Uh, I believe that they took off right around 1110 just to tell you how close that was. Um, in terms of them getting out of there. And if they didn't get out of there, Kevin, they would have been stuck there. They weren't allowed to take off. Um, well, so- this, and this, I, I had no idea about that. And this goes back to the, the dunce caps MLS is wearing. They, this is MLS's reboot. This is their baby. They TV didn't ask for these games uh, to be scheduled this way. The teams uh, didn't ask for this. MLS was the one that said, look, same day travel, can't stay overnight. It's a COVID thing. We're learning from what happened with Major League Baseball. In and out, you got to fly home the same day. Great. MLS has to check on this. They, hey, the airport you're going to fly in and out of is San Jose. Hey, it has a curfew. Maybe starting the game at 8 o'clock is not a good idea. What if there had been a, an injury and there was a lot of stoppage time? Yeah. What if the lights had gone out and you had to delay the, the game for 10 minutes? There's a million. What if there was a traffic jam at the airport? There's a million things that could have gone wrong. To say that you rushed a team to the airport across the street and they made it with 20 minutes to spare – that is not a good thing. No, no, it was tight. It's very tight. Um, now that having said that they made it and, and they got back, I would imagine that uh, for most players, uh, let's see, they left at 1130. So let's just add an hour onto that. So they got down to, to LA at about 1230. Um, and then so it was probably 130 or two o'clock in the morning by the time they got to bed. Um, so just a little bit after me, whenever we think about it, uh, between screaming baby and trying to get my article finished, which ended up being like 1200 words for probably no reason whatsoever. One of the longest articles I've ever written on a zero zero draw that that makes a bunch of sense, doesn't it, Kevin? Yeah, I actually had to describe all the goals, so I can see how that would take a lot of space. <laughs> oh, there was too much room. That was it. There was too much room for me to do it. But no, I mean, you know, it was a it was another busy travel night for everybody. Um, and and again, the Galaxy, I'm guessing, didn't train today. They may have come in for a little bit of recovery um, in terms of maybe some stretching and there's some different therapies that they go through. But I don't believe that they trained today. I don't believe that they um, went real hard if they did anything like that. And as a matter of fact, it shows Monday was was basically everything was was off so um they didn't have anything uh to do today on september 14th um so so they did that they got it through you know they get the point everything's as far as i'm concerned everything's good i will say this i was worried about the defense kevin because i thought that they were trending sort of in the in the wrong in the wrong direction especially whenever you looked at lafc and the first half against the lafc game the galaxy ended up winning you know, by a score of three to nothing was the defense was trending in a direction I didn't like because they were allowing a lot of chances. Well, against San Jose, they didn't allow a lot of chances. Um, I thought that they did a good job controlling that and any shots that San Jose had really for the most part were handled um, without too much of an issue from, from David Bingham. So I thought the defense played better. Uh, a little worried about the offense. It seemed very singular in this game. It was very much Pavone against everybody else. Uh, Zubak was was MIA in terms of uh, really getting into it. And, you know, you, you talked about it. Jonathan Dos Santos and Chicharito getting both of them in with about 33 minutes left to play. Um, you, you wanted to see if maybe they could affect the game. And 
to be honest with you, the Galaxy's play did not change at all um, with those guys coming in, and it didn't change at all in, in both the positive and the negative. They didn't defer to those guys. Um, they weren't trying to force the ball onto Chicharito. There was one really good chance where I think if Chicharito didn't slip inside the box, they had a good chance at it. But for the most part, nothing changed. Um, and I think that that's a good thing for people who were worried that the ball was going to get forced into Chicharito at every possible angle that they had. Um, the Galaxy tried to play the way the Galaxy thought they should play uh, it just wasn't happening on the night I, I it, it was it was a poor offensive sort of performance and Dan Steris says you know even playing out of the back we weren't good so it wasn't just the offense the defense didn't help the offense um, besides keeping a clean sheet so I don't know it's an interesting uh, game that I think if you look back on at the at the end of the year you're going to think and say you know what, that was that was an okay result there. That wasn't bad. It didn't kill the momentum, and you guys still got a point. Um, who knows? I guess if the Galaxy end up coming about two points short, they're going to look back and say they probably should have won this game. Uh, but winning on the road is hard in hard and, and Major League Soccer. I don't care if it's during a pandemic or anything else. Well, they could also look back and say they should have got at least a point out of that game with Vancouver in, uh, in early March, yep. um, which, which they lost. Um, are we ready to move on from that? Because I want to talk a little bit about the schedule. I think there's some really interesting things here. Yeah, you want to talk schedule or Yoni Gonzalez first? Should we get, should we update people on Yoni a little bit? Yeah, go, go ahead. Okay, um, let's do Basically, that. Basically, he's not coming. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's, not, he's not here yet. Um, so Dennis DeClosa on that, uh, that, that season ticket virtual town hall, uh, basically said that there were issues with the embassy in Brazil. Something was holding things up. And so they were hopeful that in the next couple of days that that would all be cleared up and that Yoni Gonzalez would be on his way. Now I've been told that he was going to be on his way a bunch of different times. Um, I don't think... There's two things. I think you want to be critical of the LA Galaxy in this because I know that uh, that Gonzalo Higuain um, came into this, signed a signed a deal with Miami uh, well after Yoni Gonzalez apparently signed everything with the LA Galaxy, and Higuain's basically training with Miami already. Um, so you you want to say what's going on, but you have to understand with the pandemic. Um, both here in the United States and in Brazil, Brazil has it has it very bad as well, um, that those two things are slowing things down right now. And so if you look at Yona Gonzalez uh, coming from Brazil and trying to get to the United States, that has not happened quickly. And so I, I think at this point, you should just keep your fingers crossed that he's even going to make it for any of these uh, these phase two sort of uh, games that are that are coming um, in you know the next couple of weeks. I think that's a that's a hopeful thing. Yeah, I don't think he plays Phase 2 at all. Phase 2 is only three games. It'll end September 27th. Uh, even if you were to get out of Brazil tomorrow, I mean, it, you know, Iguain's coming from Italy, if that's where he was, if he didn't go back home. He's coming from Italy. It's, it's a, a little bit different situation. Brazil is still blowing up with COVID. I would anticipate, much like the U.S. women's national team players, Alex Morgan, Christian Press, Tobin Heath, that went to England, they all had to quarantine my guess would be that Yanni Gonzalez is going to have to do some sort of quarantine when he gets here. I would be really surprised if he got off the plane and went right into a training situation. So I think phase two is a little bit early, but you know, the, even after phase two, still, the Galaxy will still have two, 10 games and a month left to play. Remember Pavone came in last year and played, uh, didn't get here until the final 11 games of the season. And look at the impact that he made. Uh, if Yanni Gonzalez can play six, seven games, especially if he comes in, early to mid uh, October when everyone is already gassed by the, the tightness of the schedule, I think he could help a lot it, it, increasing the depth if, if nothing else and giving guys a chance to take a game off and, and not having that position drop off in terms of talent. Um, so 
yeah, there is a little bit of a race to get him here, but getting him here with a, a, even a half dozen games, I think might be enough. And then going into the playoffs, it makes the Galaxy a different team, one that uh, their opponents will not have seen. Yeah, it is. Um, let's uh, let's get you those three games, those additions, and I'm sure you already know them, but we want to make sure on the podcast you get them all. Uh, on Saturday, September 19th, coming up, the LA Galaxy will host the Colorado Rapids. That game, 7.30 p.m. kickoff time, right now listed as Spectrum Sportsnet. Um, all three of these games, as a matter of fact, are all listed as Spectrum Sportsnet, although there does seem to be some inkling that perhaps the last game might also be picked up nationally by ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Uh, the second game is Real Salt Lake on Wednesday, September 23rd at Rio Tinto Stadium. So that is an away game, 6.30 p.m. kickoff time, Spectrum Sportsnet. And then this is the game that might be picked up nationally. It is the defending MLS Cup champion, Seattle Sounders. Uh, this is not the makeup game, apparently. However, uh, they'll be playing on Sunday, September 27th. Uh, it's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff time, Spectrum Sportsnet. Um, and again, that is the game that could possibly be picked up by ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Uh, and it would make sense because ESPN always does very good with Sounders games. And if you combine the Sounders with an inform LA Galaxy team, uh, the ratings for them should actually be pretty good. So uh, having said all that, a 7.30 kickoff on a Sunday night is not ideal um but it is what it is i i guess that that's just the the scheduling we're gonna go it's all about tv right now though kevin because because nobody else is going to be in the stadium um to, to watch these games it's not about getting fans in the stadium it's getting eyeballs on tv and i know and i feel galaxy fans uh frustration whenever i announce that these games right now currently only listed on spectrum Sportsnet, which excludes a large portion of people who are trying to watch the game and here's when you talk about TV, it's only for TV. Here's the effect that has. Let's look at Seattle. I know nobody cares about the Sounders, and we're not going to feel sorry for them. But but take a look at that game. They're going to be 7.30, two-hour game over by 9.30, even if they do the rush thing in post-game media and get out of uh, Dignity Health Sports Park at 10.30, get to the airport. Maybe their wheel's up by 11.30. That seems to be rushing it. Uh, maybe to make the math easier, say 12. Mm -hmm. So their wheel's up at 12. It's a, almost a three-hour flight. By the time those guys get home in Seattle, it's four four thirty in the morning. Um, that again, you know, going back, to MLS is making this schedule, and they're the ones demanding that teams travel day of game. Wouldn't you think that just, you know, out of respect, they might schedule that game for six or or even earlier, so that the you know Seattle isn't getting home at dawn. Um, again, it just points to the fact TV probably said, no, this is a 7.30 game. We don't want to go up against the NFL and college football. And um, basketball, on Saturday right? and Sunday. And basketball, we don't want to go up against those. We want to have, we want to play it late. It's a West Coast game. The, the interest is on the West Coast. Let's play it in prime time on a Sunday night. Um, wow, you know, I, I, that, that's tough for the Sounders. They're probably not going to be fully recovered till Tuesday. And I bet you when the new schedule comes out, they got a game Wednesday. Yeah, very well could. Uh, I would imagine they give them a little more time. I would imagine the LA Galaxy get more time than a Wednesday, perhaps a Thursday. Um, but then it goes Thursday. If you go Thursday, then you have Sunday, and that's a nightmare too. So yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that's coming. So those are the three games that are sort of added there. Let me give you the LA Galaxy schedule for this week. Uh, we've already talked about Monday and sort of the break that everybody got. Um, that was LA Galaxy 2 as well, I believe, also had a break on that. Um, the, the LA Galaxy 2 will play on Tuesday at 7 p.m. If you want to watch some LA Galaxy 2, if you want to chat some LA Galaxy 2, you can head to the Discord um, where we have an LA Galaxy 2 channel and it lights up during games. So 7 p.m. kickoff and you can find that on ESPN+. Plus. It's very easy. Uh, it's uh, Apparently the Galaxy have tomorrow off, Kevin. Uh, it's calling 
the LA Galaxy off for tomorrow as well, so they'll get another day of rest, um, and then they'll return to training on Wednesday. Um, then you have uh, Thursday. By, which, by the way, by yeah. the way, that's really smart because yeah. again, the schedule it's going to be two games a week. This may be the last time for them to have a legit day off, not a recuperation day off, but a legit. Hey, uh, go to the you know if, if you're in Orange County, maybe you can go to the movies. Uh, day off, spend time with family. Um, that may be the last one of those they see until late November. Yeah, it very well could be. Um, let's see. Uh, Thursday is the media availability. So if you're looking for any updates, uh, whether that's Chicharito, whether that's Jonathan Dos Santos, you want to find out about Yoni Gonzalez because, you know, I always want to. Um, there is a media availability that'll start around noon or so. Um, and then uh, and then you could go ahead. Uh, I was almost I was going to start reading the meeting password and ID there. So that way we could just have all of our listeners on the on the media call there for a second. Uh, I, I, I don't think the Galaxy would appreciate that. Um, the LA Galaxy training will train on Friday and then they have the game Saturday night against the Colorado Rapids. So that's your your schedule right now. And I think that they might have Sunday off uh, as it looks right now. So um, looking at that and sort of taking a look at what the LA Galaxy have and where they're going to be um, in this next week sort of gets you set up for this busy time um, that is going to to soon hit here, Kevin, and it's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of games coming very quickly. So, uh, should be pretty interesting. That, that, does the lovely and talented does the lovely and talented Mrs. Pato know about your crush on Yanni Gonzalez? About, <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of unnerving. <laughs> I said uh, I said to one of the uh, the LA Galaxy PR guys, I said, you know, I'm just going to make a program that texts you every day asking you where Yoni Gonzalez is because I and, and they're like, I, I think you're obsessed. I'm like, well, it didn't it wasn't an obsession, but now it's starting to be. It's almost like, well, he's not coming. Well, I want now I really want to know when he's coming. Like it, it's 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 spurring. This is this is playing hard to get. Yoni's playing yeah, hard it, to get and I'm falling right into the trap. Kevin. And that's why he's not coming. He's scared of you. <laughs> Probably <laughs> wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, no, I, I think it's I think it's going to be an interesting time for the LA Galaxy. I'm really excited to sort of see what what he can do. This has the potential to be a very big signing. It, it does a lot of things uh, for the LA Galaxy, Kevin. And and for the biggest thing for me is it, we talked about the depth. It increases the depth, and that makes this LA Galaxy team better. Even if he's a guy who eventually has to come off the bench to start with, uh, it still makes the LA Galaxy a, a better team. If he's you know, 80% of the player I think we expect him to be. So I think it's really important. And, and you know, we talk about this. There are three games in this sort of partial schedule, we'll call it, Kevin, the partial schedule for, for phase two that we got three more games. And then the LA Galaxy have 10 games. That's it. You're done. There's no more games um, until you get to the playoffs. And, and right now the LA Galaxy are positioned well for the playoffs, but uh, a lot of things can happen in 10 games, as you've seen by the LA Galaxy being last in the Western Conference and then playing five games and being, you know, fifth and, and basically within striking distance of the top teams um, in the Western Conference. So looking at all those things, the LA Galaxy are, are really in. We're in the we're in the home stretch. It doesn't feel like the home stretch. It feels like everything just is it's really getting started again, Kevin. But that's not the case at all. We're in the home stretch. There are not that many games left for the LA Galaxy to make an impact. Um, you know, on this season, and as, as you pointed out, a very short season. Well, once again, you said you're really excited to see Yanni, and that's, it's just still freaking me out. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a Yoni Gonzalez um, like hat. It just says Yoni on it. What do you think? You gotta make shirts. Yeah, shirts. Yeah, no more shirts. I think everybody has enough uh, corner of the galaxy shirts. I don't, I don't think we need any more of those. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, so uh, the only other thing I sort of wanted to touch on for for this show, and then we could talk about any other topics we want. Well, we still got to do the schedule, man. This we did the important. schedule. 
No, we didn't talk about why the schedule is oh, the way it that's is. That's right. Okay, so yes, let's talk about. So the the idea that we had heard, Kevin, was, or you at least you and I were assuming that we might get another six games, right? That we would be like, okay, we're going to get six games. Then we had heard that perhaps they're going to release all of the 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 stage two stuff at once. So you're going to get you know twelve games slash thirteen for the LA Galaxy. So you're going to get twelve games all in in one shot. But what we got instead was sort of a let's push this down the road a little bit and we're going to give you three games that only gets us to the end of September. Um, and, and there's a bunch of reasons for that. So I'll let you you talk on that. Let me give you the 411, as the kids say, on this. Um, yeah, there, there was a real belief that they were going to release the, that, that there was only going to be two phases to this uh, reboot. Phase one was the first six games and phase two would be the final 12 and they would release all those together. That didn't happen and it didn't happen for a couple of reasons. The biggest reason is the Canadian teams. There's still uh, a, a travel ban on between the U.S. and Canada. Non-essential travel is banned. Most non-essential travel is banned, and they did not consider an MLS game to be essential travel. So uh, the three teams in Canada, Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver, played against one another uh, the first six-game uh, phase. That was not tenable. They could not keep playing each other, and American teams could not go up there, and Canadian teams could not come down. So what they're going to do is they're going uh, – we didn't talk about this last week because it happened at the end of the week, but uh, maybe people know this by now. The three Canadian teams are relocating temporarily in the United States. Montreal is going to be at Red Bull Arena. Toronto is going to East Hartford, Connecticut, and Vancouver will play in Portland. Each of those teams will have two road games and one home game, even though they're not at home. Vancouver is the one that really gets screwed on this thing because their home game is against Portland in Providence Park. So they're going to play Portland on Portland's field, and they're going to call it a home game for Vancouver. It makes no sense. Um, the reason MLS did this as a three-game thing instead of doing it as six games is they're really hoping that these can, this situation with Canada can be solved by the end of September and the Canadian teams can go home and U.S. teams can travel across the border to play them. That's what you, uh, MLS is hoping for, and I believe they must have some indication that that's a possibility, if not a probability, or they wouldn't have done this. But then you look at the rest of the schedule, um, and it's pretty much north-south. The reason it's north-south is, is MLS wants, again, teams to travel uh, on the day that they play, and if they cross into a different time zone, that really complicates things. If the Galaxy were, say, to go play in Houston or Dallas, it's about a two-and-a-half to three-hour flight, so that's five to six hours of flight time. Plus, they lose two hours in the time change. That makes for a, a super long game a day with having to play a game. So they're trying to keep teams in their same time zone. Um, there's a little bit of flex here on the West Coast in that Real Salt Lake in Colorado play in mountain time zone, and, and they're crossing over to the West Coast. But for the most part... Um, it's created some really, um, uh, I don't want to say funny, uh, unusual road trips. For example, the Philadelphia Union. Um, they have not traveled more than 470 miles since returning uh, to play at home. So 470 miles is their longest road trip. Yet the New York Red Bulls in New York City, they haven't gone more than 230 miles in any of their road trips. Um, you look at Minnesota United. They're in the middle of the country. They can't cross time zones, so they've got to go up and south, uh, up, uh, north and south. They've been to, uh, to Texas twice already. They're going to play Kansas City. They've had three road trips, and those three road trips have averaged 850 miles. Um, and then again, you compare that New York City and the Red Bulls. They haven't gone even one quarter that far for any of their road trips. So uh, it really makes for um, an, an uneven and an unfair schedule. And so you and I have talked about this before. Colorado or Columbus right now has the best record in MLS. Does that make them the best team? When you look at their schedule, 
they've played almost half their games against Cincinnati and Chicago, uh, the two uh, worst teams in the Eastern Conference. Are they really the best team? They have the most wins and they've given up the fewest goals, but are they the best team? It, this schedule just makes it so hard to determine those kind of things. And it also creates some very unusual things. We see uh, Seattle is going to play at Dignity Health Sports Park twice in 23 games. If it was a 34-game schedule, they'd only play here once. Um, LAFC and the Galaxy are going to play El Trafico four times this season. Yeah. Uh, they've got one more coming up in in the final uh, portion of the schedule. Um, that seems very unusual. So um, if uh, the playoffs this year, I think all bets are off. You're going to get some teams in there that probably don't deserve to be there. You're going to get some teams with good records that maybe they're, they're paper tigers. It's just really hard to see how this is going to uh, – uh, as Dan Starris told us earlier in the year um, – you know, players are going to look back at this season and say, oh, you were champion, uh, MLS Cup champion in 2020. It was that year. Yeah. yeah. By the way, w- w- one other stat I want to share this because I found this to be really interesting. Last, you know, everyone talks in MLS about the home field advantage. You have your supporters there. Uh, the away team has to travel. If you go to New York and you play at Yankee Stadium, for example, it's not as big as Dignity uh, you know, Health Sports Park. The fields are different. There's a lot of things. Time zones, there's a lot of factors. The home team is always supposed to have a huge advantage. Okay, last year, full MLS schedule, 408 games. The home team won those games 63% of the time. Okay, full season, home teams win 63% of the time. This year, and this is just in the 76 games since the teams returned from Florida, right. you're playing at home with no fans, so supporters are not a, a factor in most places. The travel is not as onerous. It's day of game, yes, but it's not long distances. There aren't time zones. Home teams are winning 60.5% of the time in, in the 76 games. That home team is 36, 20, and 20. That's pretty close. I mean, that thing has held true, that the home team is winning only slightly less than they would have won before. Um, but then you look at the way the schedules are all mashed up, and and uh, it's really hard to get a handle on this. Yeah, it's hard to wrap your hand, head around any of this stuff. Um, when you look at it, uh, one of the things that I wanted to point out from the uh, from the San Jose game was, you know, that you know that I love me a good, um, you know, game flow chart um, whenever it comes and, and basically uh, expected goals and, and how many expected goals the LA Galaxy had um, versus how many expected goals the, uh, the the San Jose Earthquakes had. And if you wanted a better illustration of this game, I don't know that you could find one. Um, both teams averaged less than a goal, um, expected goal. So 0.64 to 0.74. So apparently the 0-0 draw, very accurate. Very accurate in terms of the chances created and, and sort of looked at that. And I think you're going to get some of these games. Not only are you going to get the games that you saw San Jose play, you know, against Seattle, which ended in 7-1, to one, um, I think you're going to get games, you know, that are just as ridiculous in some of these cases because teams are tired. Uh, you know, Scalotto mentioned it a little bit. He said, you know, they weren't tired from, from running tonight, but they were tired, you know, just in general from all of the travel and, and everything else that has been going on. So, you know, that's all, all sort of one of the things. So remember Guillermo in my mind is a guy who doesn't like to rotate Kevin. He doesn't seem to ever want to rotate his players because he thinks that there's enough time to rest and everything's good with that. Um, he's, he's bending, I think a little bit to that as you keep talking to him. Um, and he's talking more about how every player is going to be important because we have so many games. I think that's hinting at some rotation coming, but uh, should be no rotation against the Colorado Rapids who are coming off of a, uh, uh, they gave a whooping to Real Salt Lake, if I remember correctly. Um, So that'll be an interesting to watch to see if Colorado suddenly figured something out or if again, 
you see these weird results. And I have a feeling it's going to be weird results, Kevin. That's what it feels like in a lot of these things. But seeing these weird results from uh, from Major League Soccer um, in just some of these weird little games. Because Colorado beat Real Salt Lake uh, 5 to nothing at Real Salt Lake. That that shouldn't happen. Not the way that Colorado has been playing, but you see it. And then you see games that are seven to one, you know, with Seattle earlier in that game. And you see, you know, even Nashville beating Atlanta, although Atlanta the wheels are falling off. It's interesting sort of pointing it out that uh, both two teams came in, uh, you know, expansion and, and sort of were, were on fire with LAFC and Atlanta um, have, have, have struggled a little this year. Um, and so it's interesting to see them sort of adjust, I think to, to the regular, sort of uh, regular MLS rules instead of the expansion rules. And that transition seems for both of them maybe um, a little bumpy, uh, certainly for Atlanta. Uh, I don't know. LAFC might may have figured some stuff out. And I think being there's going to be a fourth El Trafico because MLS continues to beat this into the ground uh, that the LA Galaxy may face an entirely different, you know, LAFC in the fourth El Trafico. So um, just in- interesting times. Well, you talk about the strange results. There were two this weekend. We t- talked about Columbus um, had only given up two goals all season. They yep. gave up two in the first half to Chicago, the second worst team in the Eastern Conference. Um, and they came back and, and scored two goals in the second half. Giassi's artists scored, and they, they wound up tying that game. Uh, so they at least got a point. That was a very unexpected result. And then yesterday's LAFC game, for the first 37 minutes, there was one goal, LAFC and Portland. Portland had won nothing. Then there were four goals scored in the next eight minutes. Yeah. And then no goals in the second half until the last minute of stoppage time. Yeah, it's, um, there just seemed no flow to the way these things are working out. No, and some of that is just general MLS craziness, right? Because we see this every year, and we're always like, "This is why you don't bet on Major League Soccer." Um, so you see some of that stuff, um, but you can. It feels like there's bigger swings uh, this year, just in terms of of the the condensed schedule and certainly the travel and everything else that is sort of going into these games, and just the fact that like you know San Jose went up and rotated a whole bunch of players and got whooped by Seattle, who was had their full strength right i mean you're gonna get those mismatches um you know san jose thought it was more important to play the la galaxy at full strength um and the galaxy didn't rotate much from the game before and so yes they had a week off and there was plenty of time to rest there but you could see the legs um all those things you know sort of you take their toll and i think you're going to see it take more of a toll as we come down the stretch again the galaxy have three games and then 10 games 13 games left for the la galaxy um it's you're in the final stretch and any of those games can sort of determine you get hot um, and you peak at the right time, uh, or, as, or as the hammer would say, don't peak too soon. Uh, if you peak at the right time, you can roll into those playoffs on some sort of high, and because the games are so condensed, you could run right through those playoffs and win an MLS Cup. Um, it'll have an asterisk you know, on the cup. I would actually just sort of like paint it in if I, if I was uh, the team who got it, but uh, it's still going to be a cup. It's still going to go in your trophy cabinet. So um, those, those are things sort of to, to watch. Well, you know, they talk about it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Well, this time they're sprinting a marathon. <laughs> yes. Um, by the way, you talk about there should be an asterisk on the cup. What about the wooden spoon? Yeah. Oh, oh, an asterisk on the wooden spoon? I don't, I don't know because yeah. it's no longer in my possession. Um, as a matter of fact, the team who I think was supposed to have it in its possession doesn't have it in its possession because uh, they can't be trusted with it. That was just something I heard. So anyway, just fun stuff. Good times. So the, the spoon is missing? The spoon is, I believe comfortably in the independent supporters council the isc i believe that they have it and they will award it to whoever finishes last don't worry that trophy will go go out i don't think there's gonna be an asterisk next to it although somebody could add one 
um, to make the trophy uglier because you're allowed to do that. That's part of the rules. So, um, yeah, that's sort of where we sit. Anything else uh, that you wanted to cover about this LA Galaxy team? Anything MLS in general? No, I don't think so. It's you talking awful lot, though. Yeah, that's what I heard. I've, 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 I've received that criticism. It's okay. My wife says it too, so not, not surprising. She's still married me though, so I blame her. Well, um, for now, wait till Yanni gets here. Yeah. <laughs> Kicker to the curb, Yanni Gonzalez, number one fan, um, apparently, uh, right here. All right, uh, let's see. If if you don't have anything else, and I don't have anything else, then uh, we'll get on out of here. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman. Uh, if you're looking for Kevin's articles, you can head over to the LA Times. If you're looking for my articles, you can head over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. And uh, please join our Discord. Uh, over 600 people in there now, uh, a whole bunch of talk. So some good times and certainly fires up during the game. So hopefully we can uh, join you in there. All right, for Mr. Uh, Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.